This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The retirement of U.S. Senator Joe Manchin marks the end of an era, as Manchin is the last Democrat to hold statewide office in West Virginia. The West Virginia that exists is about, you know, recreational economy. It's about health care. It's about the manufacturing and those energy projects we're going to do. That story and more coming up this West Virginia morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Eight West Virginia programs and communities are set to receive more than $3.6 million for economic development projects. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin announced the awards in a press release. The grants are from the U.S. Department of Agriculture Rural Development Program. The funds will be used for a variety of projects, including the development of three conference and meeting facilities. A third of the money will be used for smaller grants in a dozen counties. The West Virginia University Research Corporation will also receive a quarter of a million dollars for 40 small businesses in Morgantown. The Allegheny Front, based in Pittsburgh, is a public radio program that reports on environmental issues in the region. Here's their latest story about churches using the power of the sun to help their bottom line and their mission. Some churches are looking to the sun to fulfill their missions and care for the earth. This is the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Holsapel. Many religious groups and people of faith are thinking more about lowering carbon emissions. For State Impact Pennsylvania, freelance journalist Karen Hendricks wrote about Christian churches in Pennsylvania that are taking practical steps by installing solar panels. I asked why in particular these churches were going solar. They are primarily guided by their faith and this duty to care for creation, as they claim is called for in biblical texts. They also want to lessen their dependence on fossil fuels and move towards cleaner energy. And all the churches I spoke with are guided by their members at the end of the day. And within the churches I interviewed, the move towards solar was definitely something that the membership wanted to do. It wasn't a top-down kind of effort led by pastors, for example. And then, of course, there are financial reasons. Uh, Churches have an eye on the cost savings that they feel solar could bring, and they want to put those precious resources towards ministries rather than utilities. Yeah, what about the cost-benefit analysis for these churches that you profiled? Does solar pay for itself? So I did a deep dive into three particular churches. I included a Mennonite church in Akron, Lancaster County, a Lutheran church in Harrisburg, Dauphin County, and an Episcopal church in Lewisburg, Union County. They're different churches in terms of sizes. They're therefore different in terms of the size of solar installations. The Harrisburg church, for example, is using solar to power three separate buildings. All three churches were seeking to become carbon neutral, and all three have either attained that or nearly attained that. The Harrisburg Church is saving about $10,000 annually, and then the Lewisburg Church is saving about $4,000 annually, but they're a bit smaller, uh, simply one traditional church building. 
I believe it's the church in Harrisburg, they had sort of like an angel donor give them a substantial amount of money to purchase and install the solar panels. Actually, two of the three churches I spoke with had that um, wonderful gift bestowed upon them. You know, when you talk about cost, there are, I guess, a number of hurdles that churches need to jump over in order to attain solar power. I think cost is the biggest one, but maybe the first one is really resources and information. As churches try to figure out the basic mechanics of how to install solar, whether they should own their own installation or go with something called a PPA. That's a power purchase agreement, which operates like a small lease with the solar provider. But on the positive side, solar costs have come down, especially over the last 10 years, and tax rebates are now available through the Federal Inflation Reduction Act. And two of the three churches I talked with were fortunate, very fortunate to have that angel donor step forward and offer to foot most of or much of the bill. Karen Hendricks is a freelance journalist based in the Harrisburg area who writes about climate change solutions for State Impact Pennsylvania. You can read her story, How Pennsylvania Churches Are Addressing Climate Change by Tapping the Power of the Sun, at AlleghenyFront.org. That's the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Kara Holsoppel. The Allegheny Front is based in Pittsburgh and reports on regional environmental news. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 749. Mostly cloudy today and breezy with a chance of rain and snow in the east. High temperatures in the 30s and low 40s. Windy tonight with a chance of light snow. Lows in the teens and 20s. And a slight chance of light snow tomorrow with partly cloudy skies. Highs in the 20s and 30s. Support for WVPB is provided by Wells Home Furnishings. West Virginia's source for fine upholstery by Smith Brothers. Made in America since 1926. Details at wellshome.com. The retirement of U.S. Senator Joe Manchin marks the end of an era, as Manchin is the last Democrat to hold statewide office in West Virginia. Curtis Tate spoke with Sam Workman, director of the Institute for Policy, Research, and Public Affairs at West Virginia University, about what Manchin's departure means for Democrats and what it would take to fill the void he'll leave. Can a Democrat still win statewide office in West Virginia? What would it take? I think the West Virginia that used to exist, where you talk, where a Democrat talked a lot about coal and especially coal families and what we were going to do for coal families, I, I don't think that's the West Virginia that exists anymore. The West Virginia that exists is about you know recreational economy issues. Um, it's about health care. It's about you know the manufacturing and the sort of energy projects we're going to do uh, in the western part of the state. And I think for a Democrat to win, they have to 
slot in those issues and be a little more forward looking than your standard, um, you know, progressive sort of challenger to Mansion of recent times. And so Mansion's uh, an older sort of uh, politician who could who could kind of go at people with elements of policy and whatnot. I don't think that's as viable a strategy anymore. I think the the Democrats in the state really need to think about how their platform relates to the investments and the jobs that we have right now, not the ones we used to have. <laughs> Who steps in to fill the void Mansion leaves? I, I'm going to give you a two-part answer to that question. Okay. The first part is that looking to compare anyone to Joe Manchin is a is a, that gives them a tough road to hope because Joe Manchin, in my lifetime, is the best politician. That now I understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that everyone agrees with them, rah rah, but as just a sheer politician, he's the best politician the state has witnessed in my lifetime. Uh, I don't think Byrd or Rockefeller could have held that seat as long as he did. He understands politics on the ground in difficult situations probably better and has a better feel for it than anyone that I have come across on either side of the aisle, frankly. So that's part one. Part two is I think no one steps up for the Democrats and fill those shoes in this election cycle. When we talk about the reemergence of the Democratic Party in West Virginia, I think you're talking about something that is two, three cycles away in terms of elections. Because we do have good sort of politicians at lower levels. If you take the state party chair, Mike Pushkin, very prominent figure, uh, in general, does a good job of, of sort of navigating sort of the waters of, of politics here on the ground. Um I think people like that, you know, this this guy Shrewsbury from my home county of, uh, of Fayette County, you know, he's got a little more wind in his sails now with matching out of there. I still think, you know, folks like that run into the problem of sort of thinking about the West Virginia they grew up in and not the one that exists today. I also think, you know, that Steve Williams, mayor from Huntington. Yeah. Of course, he, you know, he's kind of a little late to statewide politics, um, but he's fairly well known. It's been a great mayor of Huntington. So there are people, I guess what I'm saying is there are people out there. Governor Jim Justice is the likely successor to Manchin, but he's got to get through a Republican primary with Representative Alex Mooney. Won't that expose many of his vulnerabilities? Sort of the, the godsend to the governor is if he gets through the primary, Manchin is no longer waiting on the other side, which he most certainly would have. And uh, as I think I may have said to you at some point before, right, each of those folks would have been the best politician <laughs> the other has ever faced uh, for certain. So I, I, it's very hard for me to see the governor not getting through the primary and that's not a statement about Representative Mooney. He's a very able, obviously very able and agile politician because, you know, he, he took down Representative McKinley largely in his own district. So um, Mooney has the acumen to, to make it tough, but the governor is so entrenched in the minds of the state. He's also entrenched in national Republican minds. Uh, you know, the, the, pandemic and the fallout from it gave the governor a lot of airtime and space and national politics. He was on 
on all the big shows, right, at one point or another, uh, talking about our vaccine programs, and, which were initially very successful, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, but it's very hard, barring health issues, barring, uh, you know, financial or legal troubles um, or something we don't know yet. It's very hard to see the governor. Uh, it would be a monumental collapse, I think, for the governor to lose this one. I think I think Governor Justice is probably our next senator, and I, I just do not see, in the span of one year, a Democrat making up, you know, all that space uh, from such such a uh, a low starting point for Democratic politics in the state. It's very difficult to see that. Joe Manchin is already a national figure, if not a household name. So what purpose would running for president as a third-party candidate serve for him? I think it's also the case um, that becoming a national figure may put him in, in, in a slot to, do, to, to take a cabinet position of some sort. I know if I were a betting person, I would say he would love probably to be energy secretary and, and have some measure of authority over how all of the, the money for energy transitions that he has secured he and Biden have secured, uh, you know, have some some ability to direct those uh, to direct those funds on the ground. So um, I think it comes from both believing that that middle is there genuinely because it's who he is and it's how he's won. It's how he's built his political career. Uh, but I also think there may be some angling here to be um, to be part of an administ presidential administration as a cabinet member or whatnot. So we all know it's it's almost structurally impossible for a third-party candidate to win, right? That's not – our elections are structured in a way that really prevents it. It's why we've not really seen it. That was Sam Workman of West Virginia University speaking with Curtis Tate about Joe Manchin's decision to retire from the Senate and the void it creates for Democrats in the state. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. Thank you.